right. A little Latin action there. Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Well, I just want to echo what Tandra said. I, I just love our worship here. Uh, it is, guys, it has been that way for years and years. I'm just so thankful that, that we have a church that loves to worship Jesus Christ. You guys love to worship. It's fun to be here, watch you worship. I, I believe you bring great pleasure to the Lord. And uh, we're just, I'm just thankful. It's one of the things you want to see in a great church is to have people who come and they worship. They don't just sit there. They don't just listen to music. They engage. And boy, you guys are doing it. It's just been a blessing. Before we get started, let's welcome everybody that's online. Everybody say hi to everybody online. Glad to be everybody at Russ County. Praise God. We are, as you can see, in the summer now. I hope you're looking forward to a good summer. It looks like it's going to Hit us with a vengeance this week, maybe, maybe today. Triple-digit uh, temperatures, good old East Texas. And uh, what we like to do in the summer is do a variety of different messages. We do series in the spring and fall, and we have different speakers come up. We want to give, Pastor Stephen, I, I think this is a good practice, backs out a little bit and gives himself some space, and we've encouraged him to do this to work on some other things, to develop the vision and mission of our church, and to work on some really good things he's going to put together for us in the fall. And uh, I think it's a great practice. A lot of healthy churches are doing it now, where the, where the senior guys just not all the time always in the pulpit, get, have some space to work on some other things. I wish I'd have done it when I was the lead guy. Uh, I felt this ridiculous pressure to always be up here, and I can remember... Uh, doing really stupid things like flying all night from Russia and preaching the next morning, you know, 12 time zones away, and, uh, and, and thinking I needed to do a little uh, video presentation on the plane to show you that I was busy in Russia. And uh, literally, I remember the f I did that one night, one Sunday morning, <laughs> and uh, first service was great. You know, the anointing was there, the coffee was working, and uh, second service, right in the middle of the sermon, I literally thought, it's like somebody unplugged me, and I literally thought I was going to fall over just in front of God and everybody, and I was, I, I don't know if you've ever been like so tired, you're delirious, you know, I'm preaching at the same time, I'm like, I just got unplugged, and I, and I was thinking, how do I signal to my wife to pray for me while I'm preaching? And not, it was just, that's how stupid it was. And it was almost like slow motion, pray for me. But God showed up, you know, in spite of my ignorance, you know. But I'm just glad we're not under that, like in the old days, you know, where the pastor, he marries, he buries, he baptizes, he preaches, you know, he's Superman. And, you know, we have a great pastor, but we have a great team. Amen. And so that's, that's just how it's supposed to work. Praise God. So we'll see, uh, we'll see a little of me, a little of some other really great speakers coming in and out, and it's going to be a fun summer, and I'm looking forward to it. So uh, we just finished a series called Old Wells Freshwater, and I was one of the guys that shared during that series, and I talked about the well of purpose, and, and I talked about this thing called the kingdom of God, and I want to go back into that theme a little bit. I love this theme, and uh, um, I don't think you can almost talk about it too much because it's one of the major themes of the Bible. I believe, personally, I believe it is the major theme. Some say redemption, some say the kingdom of God. I, I just think it's right up there. It's huge. If you do a, a, a phrase search in the Bible, you're going to just, you're going to have weeks worth of study if you study this subject called the kingdom of God. And where this comes into purpose 
is what Jesus said, this was to be our purpose. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. We need purpose, amen? amen. We don't, I don't know if you've ever been to a point where you just felt like, what's my purpose? And, and, and it's a heavy feeling. It's almost like you can't breathe. We're not meant just to make a living. We're not just meant to meet our needs, survive. And guess what? We're not just meant to succeed. Success cannot be your purpose. We are meant for something more than survival, more than success, and that is significance. And significance comes when you link into who God is and what he's up to, which has eternal ramifications, guys. You can't beat that. And so that, that brings us to the kingdom of God. And I really felt like that this, um, this deserved a little more time, okay? So I brought my water. We're going to be here. No, I'm just kidding. But I love these tables. I can drink. All right, so here's the thing. Let me quick review. We found out that a kingdom means a king and those who are under his rule. That's very simple, but worth remembering. And what that means is, as Christians, we voluntarily, everybody say voluntarily, voluntarily come under his rule or government of our lives. Now, people get confused about this. There are people who are fatalistic. And I found that there are people, people who don't know the Lord or don't know the Word very well. They'll make statements like, well, I just believe whatever's meant to happen is going to happen. <laughs> Not really. Just because God's sovereign doesn't mean He exerts His will involuntarily over our lives. We have to want His will. We have to seek His will. And we have to embrace his government over our life. Now, one of my favorite verses on this, this is a Christmas verse, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We know all that, but listen to what the rest of it says. And the government will be upon his shoulder. This is Jesus. And his name, pay attention, this is really good. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor. Do you need any of that? Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, one day, if we read the book of Revelation, we see all the governments of this world will subside under his government. That would be a great day, won't it? I've preached in almost every continent of the world. I've had that privilege. And I, I see this universal longing in humanity for a righteous government. Everywhere I go, government's corrupt. Government's corrupt. Why? Because people are corrupt. I'm not saying our government's corrupt, but it's subject to corruption because... <laughs> All right, y'all are way too awake right now. I got to really pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm not saying it is, not saying it isn't, okay? So... But, but and that day is what we long for. We long for a righteous ruler. Amen? Amen. But, but until then, there's something now that every single one of us can experience, and that is his government over our life, and that's the kingdom of God. Now, what I want you to notice is all these attributes of God that we long for come on the other side of his government. In other words, there are people that don't see God as Wonderful. They're not filled with the wonder of God. One of the reasons that I took so long to get saved is every time I would meet a Christian, it was like, oh yeah, I'm saved. Oh yeah, Christian. Ho hum, no big deal. I didn't see the light in their eyes. I didn't hear the excitement in their voice. 
You know, it's like when I was checking into an airline counter once, and uh, I can tell the girl was having a hard time, and I'm trying to cheer her up, you know, it's a tough job, big bright ring on her finger. I said, hey, I see you got, you, are you, are you, are you gay, engaged, are you married? You know, just trying to make conversation. She goes, that's what she said. She's young, she's a young woman, and she goes, seven long years. Okay. Well, that's not working. <laughs> I'm not cheering her up, am I? And that's how I hear people talk about their Lord. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I did that when I was 12. Where's the wonder? Where's the spark? Many times it's because they've not fully embraced his Lordship. Where's the wisdom that you're walking in? Is God giving you counsel? Is he showing up and showing you, giving you insights on how to make good decisions? Are you even asking him for those things? He is the great counselor. We give counsel to people all the time. We love to get counsel, give counsel, but he's the great counselor. He's the source of all wisdom. He's the mighty God. Is his strength showing up in your life? Is his might showing up in your life? Is, he the, is his fatherhood showing up? I talk to people, I don't, I don't experience the fatherness of God. Well, you've got to come underneath his government. See, these are the things that come on the other side of the government of God. And this is why I love it. We need to put the government on his shoulders, a government of our life. Now, here's what I want to say to you about the Lordship of Jesus, because it's easy to misunderstand this. And so I want to take some time and describe it a little bit more in detail. Last, when I talked about the rule of God last time, it's the king is Jesus. So there's, there's this thing called the person of the kingdom, which is Jesus. And what today I want to talk to you about is the process of the kingdom. What does the process look like, okay? So let's talk about the lordship of Jesus. Here's, here's I heard this somewhere. I don't remember it. I like it, this definition. The lordship of Jesus is giving all that I know of me to all that I know of him. Amen. You like that? Yes. I do too. So it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you never stumble. It doesn't mean you fully understand his will. When you get saved, you don't know a whole lot about him. I didn't. I remember reading, like I'd read Matthew, and then I'd read Mark, and I thought Mark was chapter 2. I didn't know hardly even where Israel was, you know. There was so much I didn't know, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So there is an initial step of lordship, okay? There's an initial step where you give your life to the Lord. You say to somebody, well, uh, how long have you been a Christian? No, I've always been a Christian. Well, that's usually a red flag to me. Now, I do understand at a very young age, I think one of our kids was, honey, what, three? Three and a half. And Donna, you were how old when you got saved? Oh, five. Five. I don't know. He's always been there. Okay, we need to talk. <laughs> and it was real. It was real. We believe kids can make decisions very young. You know, I didn't have, I didn't, I took longer than that, unfortunately. But, but it's not like, you know, this thing sneaks up on you. You go to bed one day lost and wake up the next day saved, you know. And a lot of people think you just get, you just become a better person, you know, and you just, Eventually, you get good enough. And when I first got saved, I started witnessing the people. Uh, they would get offended if they act like I thought they might not be saved, as if I'm saying they're not a good person. It, well, Jesus will make you a better person, but you don't become a Christian because you become a good person. You, 
You have to come to him recognizing your need for a savior. And there's this moment of salvation. But then there's an ongoing decision to continue to reinforce his lordship in your life. So I say this often, and it's a great illustration, and it's the one that's in the Bible. It's in all through the Bible. But it, the great illustration is marriage. So there's a wedding, and there's marriage. And nowadays, a lot of times, people work more to get ready for the wedding than they get ready for the marriage. So there is an event called a wedding, you know, and some people, unfortunately, with the culture now, they just kind of bypass that and have a marriage. But you need a, you need a moment of commitment, say your vows, and then you need to follow through. So there's an initial I do, and then there's how many of you know if you've been married a while, you have to keep saying I do. <laughs> <laughs> I still do. <laughs> Why? What's changed? You learned something you didn't know. <laughs> Giving all that you know of yourself to all that you know of them. So there was a lot of things I didn't know. I, I didn't know it, it the fine print in the commitment <laughs> was guys take out the trash. That's, that is like Ten Commandments on stone. I didn't know that. It didn't come up in the vows. It didn't come up in any of our conversations. <laughs> but to my wife, it's, it's like a rule, you know? So in the process of your walk with God, you learn more about yourself and you learn more about Jesus. And then you keep walking this thing called the government of God, the lordship of Jesus, out. So, you learn, like, you know, like you may say, well, I don't feel worthy to be a child of God. Or maybe you've messed up and it's really hard for you to accept forgiveness. And you learn something about him. He said, I died on the cross for you. He got on to me once because I kept repenting for the same thing. I wasn't keep doing the same thing. I'd ask him forgiveness for the same thing. He said, are you saying my blood isn't enough? So, I learned something about him. I learned that he wants me to believe his word. Period. Over my feelings. And if you can get to that point, you are so far down the road in your walk with God. And that's, that, it's easy to say, but not, as, not always easy to do. Amen? I learned I don't like singing. And I learned he likes me to worship. I learned some stuff. I learned that a lot of people learn, they're very fearful about money. Will I have enough? And we learned God says, trust me and give. Giving is an act of faith. Do you know that? Yes. Giving is an act of faith. It's an act of worship, but it's also an act of faith. I don't like my boss or my job. God says, work heartily is unto me. Love your wife unconditionally. Respect your husband is unto the Lord. These are not things we intuitively feel all the time like doing. They are decisions that have to be made. Why? Because we are now not the governor of our own lives anymore. That is intrinsic to what it means to be a Christian. I want to be angry when I'm wronged. He says, forgive. How I many you know that's not always easy? And if you go by your feelings, you're going to be angry for a long time. Have you discovered the power of forgiveness yet? It's supernatural. It is supernatural. Okay, Lord, I choose 
to forgive. Because you forgave me. Wow. It's hard to be mad at somebody and not forgive them when you think about how, what he's done toward us. Amen? So this is what Jesus means, I believe, when we hear this phrase, take up your cross. We see it several times in the Bible. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him, what does it say? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now this looks at the outset as a dreary, morbid life. You're always denying yourself. You're not enjoying life. You're denying yourself. You're taking up your cross. How are you doing? I'm taking up my cross. Oh, it's hard. I'm taking up my cross. Hallelujah. Oh, me and the Lord. Oh, don't look at me. Look at the Lord. Maybe you don't really understand it. The cross, understand about the cross. I shared this two weeks ago. It is an instrument of death. Make no mistake about it. We bring things to the cross, but we bring things to the cross. Whatever he says we need to bring to the cross, it's killing us. It's kind of like surgery. Hurts for a little while. Hurts for a moment, maybe. Some surgeries hurt longer. I get it. But it heals us. It frees us. We become different people. And, and this whole journey is progressively becoming more and more and more like Jesus. So this, this, the biblical term, let me put it up here. There you go. The biblical term for this process of being conformed in his image is sanctification. And I, risk, I wrestled whether I should share this long word because nowadays they don't, they don't share long words in church. Uh, but <laughs> my job is to educate and it's in the Bible, guys, a lot. And don't, don't, do, don't, read the, don't get into this habit of reading the Bible and just glossing over words you don't understand. Because your God put that in the Bible for a reason. And you need to understand what this word sanctification means or sanctified. Okay, what does it mean? It means, I'll show you what it means. It means to be separated unto God. Separated from the world unto God. It's where we get our word holy. The word holy, the word holy doesn't mean that you, you, you dress like you live in the 1800s, okay? That's not what the word means, okay? I'm pretty sure Jesus wore polos and dress jeans when he preached. Um, I'm, I'm a biblical scholar, so you need to trust me on that. But it, but it, <laughs> it means separated unto God. It means you're his, Okay, um, now let me tell you how important this is. This is what Paul said, and this is, I encourage you to do a study on this word sanctification. Paul's last words to the Ephesian elders said this, so now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So if you want to get what God has for you, your inheritance this is part of the conditions, if you will, all right? Um, I don't know if you know this. Some, if you've been reading the Bible very much, you, you probably have figured this or begin to see this word a lot. But the word Christian is only in the New Testament three times. The most common word for believers was saint. Saint. Now, 
we think saint is a very, very, very special Christian. In fact, I mean, the Catholic Church teaches that, actually, if you grew up that way. You know, like, that's a very, very special Christian. Just a few people become saints. Mother Teresa, saint. Way up here. Now, you can't reach that far. It's way, way up here. But that's not biblical. Okay? The word saint applies to normal believers. In fact, here's the problem, guys. In some areas, we have so lowered the bar about what it means to be a Christian that when somebody is actually living as a Christian, we call them a saint. But the word saint is what all the believers were called. In fact, it's, it's in the New Testament 61 times. Read your epistles to the saints at Corinth, to the saints at Rome. So, so this was the common term. And it's a fascinating, if you like word studies, uh, the word saint, literally means a holy thing, a a most holy thing. And now get this, it comes from another root word, I promise this is the last Greek, it comes from another root word, which means a thing of awe. Wow. Look at somebody who says, you're a thing of awe. That's not the same as awful. Awful actually means full of awe, but we don't use it that way, so don't say awful. Just say, you're a thing of awe. Jesus said in Isaiah 8, 18, that we are signs and wonders in the earth. God says we're the light of the world. God says we're the salt of the earth. We are, if you're truly saved, if you're truly born again, if you're truly his, if he truly lives in you, you are a thing of awe. And we can't be proud about it because it's his work. He does the work. Amen. In fact, he died to make us that. Look at this. Uh, Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering he has perfected or completed. The word perfected is, is best rendered in the New Testament. The word completed. Per, uh, perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And it's very interesting that the word being is used because that's what the word means. It's a process. It's a, you know, not one and done. The born again, that's a one time process. You're born again. That's, that's instantaneous. And I don't have this in the notes, but let me just quickly maybe say when you're born again, your spirit is saved. When you're being sanctified, your soul Amen. is being saved. How you think, how you act. How you, how you uh, navigate your emotions, how you process God's word for your life. All right? It is an ongoing process of separation unto God. It is not, let me just put it this way. It is not um, an option. I just feel I need to tell you this. It's like there's a normal Christianity and then there's really the guys that are serious and they're going to be serious for the Lord and they're sanctified. That's a very extra special with all the options added on Christianity. All right? That, that's kind of how we've done it in the Bible Belt. And guys, it's wrong. And let me give you a verse that if this doesn't help you see it, I don't know what will. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Now, that's heavy, guys. 
Do you hear that? Without holiness, you will not see the Lord. Jesus said, Best of the pure in heart, for they will see God. So I, I get these conversations going all the time with people. Maybe you've had these conversations. We'll talk about somebody that knows somebody, and they go, Oh, is he a Christian? Is he a believer? He goes, uh, Well, yeah, but he doesn't really know the Lord. I hear that a lot. Yeah, but he hadn't really like sold out. It's like there's, there's different levels of being a Christian. Now, there's different levels of spiritual maturity, but there's, you're either saved or you're not. And I think it's important we understand that if we're going to seek first the kingdom of God. Because what does this mean? It means that not only do we want to make sure we're under his lordship, but those that we care about, those we love. That's part of our mission. In fact, we're called to preach the gospel and make disciples. We're called to make followers of Jesus. And sometimes it, it brings into the process loving confrontation. Where we say, you know, that's not what the Bible says. The culture is coming strong at us right now. Now, what I found is that this garbage being thrown at us from the uh, self-appointed social architects of our culture that are all anti-Christian and pagan, most people don't want that. Most people don't believe that, what's on TV, what the corporations are doing, and sometimes what the government is trying to force on us. Most people aren't there, but they're not hearing a differing voice. This is where the church comes in. I'm not talking about what we post on media or, or protest. I'm talking about where we talk to people one-on-one -on -one and we help people see if they're engaged in a lifestyle that's going to hurt them and destroy them and separate them forever from God. Yes. It doesn't matter what they profess if they don't possess right. this relationship with God, Amen. this lifestyle. It's very important. And understanding this truth has helped me to reach people where there was another voice in the back of my head that might have said, well, that's probably not good, but that's his belief, and who are you? And we just walk away, and we had the truth. Now, next week, I'm going to give you a very easy way. I've asked Pastor Jim, can I do two-part on this at least? And he said, okay, so I'll get to. So... <laughs> I want to follow this up next week and help you see in a very easy way that all of us can help people come underneath his lordship. God has given us a means and a help to do that. And so we're going to get into that. How do we make disciples? An easy way to reach this. This week uh, I was reminded, and I never read the book Pilgrim's Progress. I don't know if you've read the book Pilgrim's Progress, but... It's written in the 1600s, so unless they've updated the translations, it's probably not an easy read. But it's an allegory uh, of a man, John, uh, John Milton wrote it. He was in prison when he wrote it. He was persecuted for his faith in England. He spent 12 years in prison, and he wrote this allegory of a man named Christian Pilgrim who left the city of destruction, and he's, this long, arduous journey to the city of, uh, I think city of lights, celestial city, celestial city. So I read, I, like most uh, modern Americans, I watched the movie this week. 
in two hours. I got the story. I knew a lot of it. It's an animated version. It's not going to win Academy Awards, but the, the story... The story is compelling, and it talks about all the challenges on his journey from leaving the city of destruction to his moment of salvation. But it wasn't one and done, guys. This is what I want to impress upon you. It wasn't like, okay, I got it. Yeah, you do. You're saved. You die right then, you're going to heaven. But there's still a journey to be made. And all the temptations. And, uh, you know, if, if it was one and done and, 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 and you're good from then on, why would Satan ever attack a Christian? Why would he ever tempt you? Why would he get you to ever try to walk away from God or serve other gods or serve other lovers than him? And so many times we, we hear the story of a guy that, oh, he's a Christian, but he didn't have a relationship with God. Or, no, he doesn't go to church. But, you know, he's a good guy. Old John, he's a good guy. And we just... Yeah, okay. And we just kind of don't, don't engage in that situation. And John's not okay. I mean, what if, what if, using the illustration of marriage, what if we were talking about old John and we go, well, how's this marriage? Uh, you know, I mean, they're both seeing other people, but we would go, that's messed up, man. That's not a marriage. That's what Christianity is. Christianity is serving God. It is underneath His Lordship. It is separated unto Him. It is, it is, it is loving the Lord your God Amen. with all your heart. And there's no other gods. There's no other lords. There's no other lovers. In fact, Old Testament, the idolatry was called adultery. That's how God sees it. We're His bride. He's our groom. And, you know, if you want to be, you can be holy. You're called to be. You're not going to be happy until you are. The old saying is, holy is happy. Holy is not miserable. Why is that person sad all the time? Because they're holy. No, they're not. They're mad at everybody and they're holy and they're griping about it. And that's not holy. Holy is worshiping God. Holy is loving God. Holy is enthroning Him over every dimension of your life. And everything you give to the Lord, how many of you know it comes out way better? Everything gets better, way better, more joy. Prince of Peace shows up, amen? amen? The story of Pilgrim's Progress inspired me because it was John, I mean Christian, made a decision. And it wasn't an easy decision at times to finish the journey. And this is why I want to leave you. Have you made that decision? Can I just instill in you, if you never hear from me again, never come back here. If you're online, can I instill in you that decision? I'm going to finish this journey. My marriage is great, not because we're great, <laughs> because we made a decision 42 years ago to finish what we started and to stay in covenant with each other no matter what. And what that did, it made us work on our stuff. <laughs> Amen? And we grew, and we grew, and we're still growing. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. I'm going to finish what I started. Amen. He, the Bible says he's able to complete that which he began. Will you go with him? How many of you say, no matter what, I'm going to go with Jesus? All the way. All the way to the celestial city. Let me, that's your decision. I wanted to ask you to just stand to your feet. All of this, all over. If you're online, you can stand if you want. Whether you stand or sit, I pray that you make this resolve in your heart. We're just going to ask God to help us. It's wonderful to follow the Lord, but there's opportunities, there's obstacles, and there's decisions. And I stay true to every other covenant 
because I stay true to this covenant. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the men and women that are in New Covenant. Lord, it's such a joy to be here. This church is so full of life, so full of joy, God. It's exciting every time we come to church. And I just pray for all of us, and I pray for this great congregation that that each one of us will stand together on that day in the celestial city, finishing this race, won the prize that you've called us each one to run. And we thank you for loving us and finding us and dying on the cross for us. And God, I pray today, especially if there's anyone here that it needs to begin this journey, that has walked away from you and needs to come back to you, Lord, I pray that you will most of all show up in their life right now whether they're here in this service or online, that they will make a resolve to come into covenant with you. You know, with every head bowed today, let me just ask if there's anyone here, is the Lord speaking to you? You know, I've walked away from the Lord. I've not fully committed my life to the Lord. Pastor Chuck, the Lord has shown me today I need to do that. Let me just, I want to pray for you right where you are. Just lift your hand if you would. I just want to pray. Just lift your hand. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Bless you. Bless you bless you every week people are coming to the church coming to the Lord Father I thank you for every person lifting their hand I'm just going to urge you to say Lord Jesus I want to follow you just tell him tell him the desire of your heart right now I want to follow you Jesus all the days of my life and I give everything I know of me to everything I know of you whatever that means Lord whatever you're going to show me down through the ages down through the years I want to to follow you. And Lord, I just thank you for hearing your prayers, prayers of your people today. And I just speak a blessing on them in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone, let's just thank God and, and give these people encouragement for making this important first step to follow Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't it fun? Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text yes card to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We wanna come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.